Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC make me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly, and that is what TGV is all about. Everything we do is based on the word of God. We don't manipulate it to our own benefit. Like, we work things good, and that is what we do. That's why I love There you have it. You have an insightful Glory to God. So, um, We've been running a commentary on Colossians 1. On Colossians, this is our, our third, sort of fourth Wednesday on this. And we are still on Colossians 1. The fourth Wednesday. And we are still on Colossians 1. Glory to God. <laughs> so let's go back to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Thank you, Lord. Go to verse 15. Colossians 1 from verse 15. So we'll try to finish Colossians 1 today, okay? We'll try to finish Colossians 1 this evening in 45 minutes or so. Wow, so is that possible? Let's see. So he says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 18. And he is the head of the body. The church is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you only in the sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a 
servant. Awesome. So it says first in verse 15, that the Son is the image of the invincible God. So first and first, it says God is invincible. As in God the Father is invincible. God is invisible. God is spirit. So therefore, God the Father, you know what the Father has eleven, is invisible. So meaning that wherever they said in the OT that they saw God, in the Old Testament that they saw God, they did not see God the Father. They either saw Jesus, because Jesus appeared in a few places in the Old Testament, okay? They either saw Jesus or they saw an angel. Okay, so it's, it's interesting. So, um, it's funny, you know, that just right now fully came in the flesh, and the, you know, the same people, the Israelites, you know, attacked him. They did not believe in him mostly. Okay, you know, they claimed to believe in God, but they did not believe in Jesus. Now, not knowing that, this Jesus was the one that fathers saw and worshipped. It's interesting, right? So, in a bid to serve God, they missed out on God. Awesome. So it says the Son is the image of the invisible God. The image there is from the, is from the Greek word um, icon. I think it's E-I-K-O-N. Okay? It means um, exact representation. Okay? Exact replica. Exact replica of something. Now it's as though I take your picture. Now when I take your picture, you know, it is your exact image. That is shown in the picture. So the Christ being the image of God is that Christ is the exact representation of God. That is why Christ told his disciples that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You know, when when, when Thomas said, Show us the Father and and, and we, not for us. And he said, You have been with me so long, and I are still asking, show me the Father. He says, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus, the Son, is the exact image of God. Okay? He is the exact character and will of God in display. Do you understand? So we see God's character. We see God's will in Jesus. Now, what does this mean? Glory to God. So it means, for example, right? Can you remember the case in... Um, in Luke, in Luke 9, from 56, when the disciples, you know, told Jesus to allow them call thunder, to fire them in that city, you know, when they didn't allow Jesus to pass, Samaritan city, they told him, you know, James, I think it was James and John, I'm not sure, that told them, you know, to allow, to allow, the, yeah, James and John, yeah. Told Jesus Christ to allow them call for thunder to fire those people, you know, fire, to call for fire to come down from heaven and destroy them. But just return to them and rebuke them, okay? He refused to allow them to search. So now, when, when we pray, you know, that God will send fire and kill your enemies, you know, knowing that Jesus Christ did not do that, you know, in Luke 9, so also, when you are praying, fall down and die for your enemies. God is not answering because we see God's will shown in Jesus. Okay, so whatever Jesus will not do, God the Father will not do, God the Spirit will not do. 
Okay, they're united in character. Jonathan. So when you pray, fall down and die for your enemies. God is not the one you are praying to. And if you say fall down and die, and the person dies, it is possible that it is the devil that helped you to kill somebody. So it means that when you pray for them, that you may be partnering with the devil to take a life. Do you understand? So, in the same thing also, that when people say, God is sending COVID, you know, the virus, to destroy people, or to, you know, to because people have not paid attention to him, or because, you know, all that kind of stuff, okay? Um, it is not God that is doing it, okay? God is not using affliction to drop the attention to himself. Do you understand? God is not breaking about affliction to make people turn to him. Do you understand? Okay? Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay? Glory to God. God would rather use love. Okay? And revival and healing to get people's attention. As we see all through in Jesus Christ, just mentioned here, that he went about healing their sick, okay? Um, heal them, you know, raise their dead, okay? And by so doing, caught their attention. So the way God would catch the attention of people to believe in him is by miracles, is by acts of God's goodness, not by sending fire or virus to destroy them, okay? Christ is the exact image of God. We see also that whenever anyone went to Christ and asked for healing, he never turned anyone down. So it's also showing to us that God's will is healing, that God never says no when someone comes to ask for healing. God never says no, it never says come back tomorrow. God's will for us is healing now, is healing always. Okay, so this is the point that you see God's character and will in Jesus. What Jesus will not do, God will not, will not do. Is that good? So he says further, okay, in that same verse 15, he says that um, he is the firstborn over all creation. Now, the word firstborn um, is in the Greek word prototokos, okay? Now, it has two meanings, right? It could mean um, the preeminence, the supreme one, okay? The one above all things. And it also means um, um, prototype, prototype, first of the rest, the Jonathan. It could mean um, preeminent, supreme, or meet prototype, first of the rest, okay? The prototype of which everyone else looks like. It's like saying that um, you harvest a fruit, you, know, you harvest fruit from your, from your farm, okay? And you show a buyer a sample of the fruit, the prototype, and tell the buyer every other fruit in the barn looks like this. Let's make, make it to modern, modern technology. So let's say, for example, that you made a prototype to sell a new type of device. And you show the world, this is what the device looks like. You are showing them the prototype, meaning that every other batch of this model looks like this, functions like this. So Christ, being the first one, has two meanings, okay? In, in, in verse 15, it means what it means. It means it's preeminent. Is above all creation, is Lord over everything. So when he says, For in him were all things created, 
since in heaven, since on earth, vis visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So he's saying that you no, know, he's Lord over all things. He existed before all things, okay? He made all things. So he is Lord over everything. There's nothing that can stand against the Lordship of Jesus. No sickness, no infirmity, no devil, no no wind, no storm, no virus, nothing. Nothing can stand against the Lordship of Jesus. He says it's before all things. And in him all things all together. So everything finds its meaning in Jesus. See, the way the, the human being is wired, okay? You can only actually find the meaning of life in God. Without God, life is so meaningless. Life, you know, without God, life is actually fully meaningless. Because, you know, without God, anybody can die at any time. No matter what he has invested, it's not for tomorrow, it's goals, you know. So, what then is the meaning of life if it's just off and on? Do you understand? But the meaning of life is in God. It's in God. So, when we find ourselves living in and for God, we begin to express a more meaningful life. We begin to express a richer quality of existence, okay? So, in Him, all things all together. Without Him, everything looks out of place. Without the God, without Jesus, everything looks out of place. 18. And He is the head of the body. Is the head of the church. Is the beginning. Look at that. And firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. So you know, is the firstborn. Is our is our prototype. Is the first of the batch. So if you want to know. What the believer will look like, what the believer looks like now, and what will look like when we are fully, you know, fully, um, fully redeemed at rapture. Look at Christ. Christ is our model. Christ is the model of our life now and our life in heaven. So you want to know what the believer should be like. Look at Christ. He is our model. Whatever he can do is what we can do also. He is our model. It is why He has given us His name so that we can wield the same authority and power that He wields. So He wants to know what you are capable of. In full expression, look at Jesus. If you want to know what you are capable of in your, in your full expression, you know, when you are fully mature and grown in Christ, Look at Christ. And this is why we have to grow. We have got to grow. You cannot be okay with just doing what we are right now. You have to desire to grow, you know, to do much more like Jesus in character and works of power. To be much more loving. Do you know, you know, when, when, when you read the, the Gospels, when you see how people take Jesus, and you see how rest Pointed in love. Even to the disciples, you know, we need to understand that his nature is love. And what he craves most is that we love one another. So we have to bring maturity, you know, to love like he loves 
and she gets results in works of power like it does. Do you understand? Okay? Glory to God. So, says for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, things on earth, on heaven, you know, everywhere, to make peace by his blood shed on the cross. And look at this, okay? Now, Christ being the Son of God, the most supreme, you know, the, the, the firstborn over everything, Lord of all, paid for salvation by coming in the flesh and dying. Now, in doing that, he was telling us there can be no other salvation except the one that he brings. If he has to come down himself, take on flesh, suffer hunger, suffer ridicule, suffer shame, suffer mosquito bites, and all that, you know, if he came down by himself to do that, he's making it clear to us that there can be salvation nowhere else. So, you cannot say that he is one of the ways. He did not come to earth to go through all that to be one of the ways. Is why he said clearly in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God except through me. So Christ is saying, guys, that is the only way to salvation. There is no other way. Okay? For there to be another way, that way has to be higher than Jesus. And we know he is the supreme one over everything, so there can be no other way. That's why he says, there is no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved. Do we see that? Do we see that? There is no name given under heaven by which man can be saved. Okay? Glory to God. So, if the Son of God came to give us salvation, how then shall anyone escape if he rejects the salvation? If he rejects what God did himself, what then is your hope? So, it's why we have to preach much more. We have to be more burdened about preaching the gospel. Now, some people have heard the gospel wrong, wrongly taught, okay? So, you know, um, that, that, that sort of made them feel this is not, not, not going to work. Okay? So, we that know um, the gospel accurately, we ought to teach some more. We ought to teach some more. Let people know that God is not holding their sins against them and has put their sins upon Christ. So that once they believe, once they put their faith in Christ, okay, whatever what Christ did is put in their accounts, you understand, so that they don't have to suffer for their sins anymore. How then shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? See, the people the angels spoke to in the OT that refused the angels, you know, they, they suffered for it. So if they suffered for not believing what angels said, how much more rejecting what the Son of God has done? So we have to have the right, pers- right perspective, okay, to be burdened about telling people about this, okay? Our unbelieving friends, our friends in, 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 in other religions, it is, not, it is not fair that you have people around you in your close circle that don't believe in Jesus and you're not preaching. You know, 
if you truly believe in this, you will share it much more. So find a way to share your faith. Okay? Now some people, some people don't, don't, don't yet have the boldness, right? Pray for the boldness and just try. Okay? The least you can do is to preach on your status of social media, Twitter. That's the least you can do to talk about Jesus. See, talk about Jesus. Okay? Don't be, don't worry about we they believe they don't believe me. That's not the point. Okay? The Bible says that, that in, in Romans 1 7 it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation. Okay? So just preach the gospel. Don't wonder if they will hear you or not. Do your part. There's power in the gospel itself to get the job done. Your own responsibility is to prepare well and to preach. Okay? Amen. So we see going further. Going further. We see in verse 22. It says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you only in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Look at this again. For, but now, he has but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through this to present you only in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 23. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is a gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. He's saying this, that if you stand in faith, if you keep your faith on Jesus and do not move from believing in Jesus, he's saying that, you know, is presenting you and will yet present you on that last day before Christ, only in it, before yeah, before Christ, before God, only in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. So he's saying this the one that has faith in Jesus is seen by God as righteous, without blame, only in his own sight, free from accusation. So he said, faith in God is what keeps you holy. It's what makes you holy in God's sight. It's what makes you without blemish and free from accusation. Just hanging your faith on Jesus. So, yes, believers can make mistakes. Believers can goof and all that, right? But once your faith is in Jesus, is keeping you to the end. And on that glorious day, we find that you also made heaven. As long as your faith is in Jesus. So, we are saved by faith and we stand by faith. Amen. As long as you leave your faith on Jesus, your eternal security is assured. As long as you keep your faith on Jesus. So, we should know clearly that the believer cannot lose salvation 
again. The believer cannot lose salvation, but the believer can reject it. Do you understand? The one that once believed can reject it. Now, to lose means, oh son, you know, he got missing. You know, he fell off you unknowingly. To reject means a a willing a willing stance to cut off from faith in Jesus. There are two differences. So, it's, you cannot misplace it, but you can reject it. Do you understand? Now, even the rejection, right, it has requirements. For example, imagine if your child of five years old, you know, says, Daddy, because you did not buy me biscuits, because you didn't take me to my favorite school, once you want to wonder, 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 says, Daddy, I disown you. And packs his load and leaves here. What will you do? You probably first have a good laugh. Right? Then go after him. Reassure him of your love. And bring him back home. Do you understand? You see that? Do you see that? So, you will not tell a five-year-old child, you disown me, me too, I disown you. It takes a level of maturity for, for, for someone to disown you and you say, okay, he actually means to disown me. Do you get it? So, many times, some people that, that say they are living the faith, you may go see that as a child going through a feast, you know, and God is after you to bring you back home. Do you understand? So, for example, remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son. Now, the guy left home and went and squandered everything. But one day, you just only remember that, okay, this life, this life as I am right now is not good enough, okay? I had it better being a child of my father. So he says, I will return home just so that, you know, I can eat. Amen. So, the guy, the prodigal son, went back to his father, and while still on his way, the father saw him from afar, and ran to him. So he said this, ran to him, embraced him, made for him, you know, a big banquet, killed the biggest cow for the son, for the runaway son that returned home. So, what does I tell you? That before the father, the son never really left. So in his heart, he was still his son. In his heart, he was still his son. So even though he left, though, he left, you know, but in his father's heart, he was still his son. The father never disowned him. You see that? You see that? The father never disowned him. So, the just come back and say, I'm coming back home. And the father saw him. The father ran to him. So also, right? So also, right? God, you know, is not quick to disown his children, right? So, you know, <laughs> if we remain in the faith, we are secure, right? We are safe. But so also, when we see people saying, you know, I'm living the faith, and another, pray for them. Pray for them, okay? The father has not left them. Pray for them, okay? Pray that they, pray that they are quickly restored back in so that the devil does not take advantage of them, okay? Pray that they are fully stood back and they don't take advantage of them. Do you get that? Do you get that? Do you get that? Glory to God. Okay? Let's go on. So 24. Verse 24. Verse 24. Are we following? Give me feedback. Are we following? Feedback via the chat. Via the Instagram chat. Okay? Let me know we are together. Okay? Um... Press the add button, drop your, your comments. Oh, wow. 
I get to Just let me know that we are actually together, okay? I'm not talking to myself. Alright. So going for verse 24. Verse 24. It says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Now, Paul speaking. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. See, being a believer, being a minister, being one that goes about in the, that, that is doing the, that is doing work of kingdom, might sometimes, you know, require a level of sacrifice that looks like suffering to the world. In fact, it's suffering. Okay, um, they wonder why you can't cut corners. Why, if you lie that lie, you make one million. But because you don't lie, you lose one million. That um, probably, you know. Your boss gave you a deadline. And you couldn't make a deadline. And you just make a small line and say, Ah, sir, I missed it because I had a terrible headache. But because you cannot lie, you own up and you are queried. Now, it looks like suffering. But this is like a cause to live, okay? We are called to be, to be ready to embrace, to be joyful. Paul says, I rejoice in suffering for you. So to rejoice in whatever suffering comes in doing the will of God. Okay? God did not promise you it to be easy all the way. Serving God comes with a price. People, people persecute you. They will misconstrue you. They will yab you. They will insult you. Okay? You might miss up some opportunities. Okay? But we are called to rejoice in suffering for Christ. So when you are paying a heavy price, for belonging to God. Rejoice. Rejoice. You should have a joy response to persecution. Amen. You should have a joy response to persecution. So, so when you are persecuted, like Paul, rejoice. It is part of the Christian lifestyle to face persecution. Okay? If you persecute Jesus Christ, and I don't know who you are, you also must face your own persecution. Why you told them? That whoever will follow me, will carry his cross and follow. Okay, so we are all called to carry our cross. Okay, we will all face persecution. We will all face issues for Christ's sake. Okay, be ready to rejoice in it. Okay, rejoice. Now, when persecuted, do not respond in the flesh. So they yab you, you yab back. They give you back, you give them both. That is not how to suffer for Christ's sake. Okay, to suffer for Christ's sake means that you accept it, you, you rejoice in it. And you don't retaliate. You don't pray they should die. No. You don't retaliate. I think that's again. You do not respond in the flesh. You don't you, you, you don't you don't respond evil for evil, but you respond with blessing for evil. Where they, they cost you, you know, you bless. Where they attack you, you love. Okay? We are called to love the love them. Love them, okay? For God so loved the world. So we are called also to love them. Do you understand? Okay? So Endure persecution, but respond in love. Okay, if we truly be second ministers of the gospel, 
you must be ready to face persecution. If they only praise you, if everyone loves you, they only praise you, it, it might mean that you are not doing kingdom. God's kingdom is sharp, you know, is sharp against the world in terms of what they are fears, okay? So if they only if they only see you and love you, they don't yab you, they don't persecute you, you might not be doing kingdom. Okay? Glory to God. So it says, for which I have become a servant. Look at that. So Paul calls himself a servant of the gospel. A servant. You know, I admire post-work ethic. Paul was that guy that would give everything for kingdom. Everything. Insane work ethic. This was Paul's lifestyle. Everything for the kingdom. So even though it might, it might not be called to, you know, to, to, to fight for, to be apostle, prophet, and other, but we are still called to, to, to do kingdom. Kingdom is our number one priority. So we have to have you no know, reasonable work ethic for things of the kingdom. Reasonable work ethic. Paul causes labor. Labor that causes suffering. But he says it is just and it is served as a servant. Do you understand? So, you know, we have to be careful, okay? When in days where people are so convenience driven, you know, come to church, ah, I'm busy, you know, um, there is traffic, um, sister, preach the gospel, I am shy, I am, um, you know, we see, we see funny things, right? But guys, do we see, the, do we actually know how urgent this kingdom stuff is? If we do, we will put much, much, much more effort into it. Much more ethics, as in much more work ethics, much more passion. Now, some of us, the way we serve in our career is as though we die. But we will serve God, not serve God casually, as though it is not so important. The Bible says that you must seek Him first, okay? He must be your number one priority. So, even in your job, you are serving with your best, you know, but you remember in all that, that kingdom is. First, so you give your best, right? Because you are serving God through your job. Not, not just serving yourself. So you see your job as a means with which you serve God too. Not, not just you serving yourself. You know, they ask you your plans. Your plan is what you eat, what you drink, what you put on. It should not be so amongst us. Kingdom first, okay? Then the others follow. Okay? So he says, I have become a servant by the commission God gave me. To present to you the word of God in its fullness. 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. But is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Look at that. So, you know, God kept this whole gospel in the mystery. It was always, you know, in their, in their, in their, in their practical writings. God told Moses. Moses wrote about it. God told Samuel, told David, told Jeremiah, told Isaiah. He told all of them in small bits, here and there, like small pieces of a giant puzzle. So even though they wrote about it, they did not understand it. They knew something was coming, but they could not they could not understand or explain how it would happen. Awesome. So I, I said to people, so even Isaiah, even though he wrote about it, did not understand Isaiah. Isaiah himself did not understand Book of Isaiah. So, God eat it from them, but eat it for us. It was eaten from them 
to be revealed to us. So, and it revealed them to us through the writings of the apostles. So that when, you know, we read the epistles, we see the the, the mystery explained, revealed to us. So, to understand this salvation thinking, read the epistles. That is where the believer in Christ is described and explained. Do you understand? So, I tell people, read much more of the epistles. The epistles first. The epistles first. The epistles first. Okay? Then read it. But you must give much more time and attention to the epistles. Okay? Give much more of your reading time to the epistles. When you know the epistles well, you'll be able to understand better the other parts of the Bible. They are all explained in the epistles. Do you understand? They are all explained in the epistles. Otherwise, see, if you read those ones first, you'll be confused. For example, if you spend so much time reading Job and you don't know the epistles, Job will confuse you. Do you understand? So read the epistles, okay? When you begin to understand perfectly in the epistles, other things begin to make sense to you. Do you understand? So, what is this mystery? People like mystery. You know, mystery. Everybody talks about mystery. Mystery. But the mystery of God is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. Understand? Christ in you. Now, in the OT, they all knew about, you know, having God, the Holy Spirit, come on them. So, the Holy Spirit come on them, and they just, they just quickly do small prophecy, quickly do some, some stuff like that. You know? But it never lived in anyone permanently. So, in the Testament, it will come on the prophet or the king or the priest, okay, to perform a function, okay? But, you know, God was seeing something much more than that coming, coming to Christ. That Christ would dwell in us by the Spirit, okay? This Christ in you, God with you forever, you know, in Christ, is the mark of the Christian, of, 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 of our new covenant in Christ. That God is in us by the Spirit and would never leave us. Do you understand? Now people pray and say, God, don't leave me. You know, never forsake me. They pray and they cry, they scream. Okay? But that prayer has already been answered. The day you got born again, God's Spirit came inside of you never to leave you. Some will say, you know, but I don't feel him. You know, I don't feel he's there. You know, you are going through, going through issues and you don't feel God around you. It's not a feeling. We live by faith, not by feeling. So, you must first know that he's there with you. Now, when you, when you know he's there with you, then you can begin to stir up, you know, stir up the gifts of God within you. You understand? Knowing is with you, you can begin to pray it out, you know, to pray, to pray in tongues, to stir up His presence, you know, so that you begin to feel His presence, okay? So God's presence is already within you, you know, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of you. So when, when, when you don't, when you want to feel like it, you know, stir the Holy Spirit up, okay? Talk to Him, fellowship. In prayer, in study, you know, in meditation, and it's going to feel in, you know, come on you. Do you understand? So you can always stir up in you the spirit so that you begin to, you know, feel his manifest presence. Now, in the OT, they could not stir him up, it will, it will come on them and leave. But right now, he is in us. So we can always stir up the gifts and workings of the spirit. Do you understand? You can, when there's an issue, don't forget about the issue, just pray in tongues, okay? And you begin to hear clearly what God has to say. Is that good? So he says, Jesus, you know, is the one we proclaim. We teach Jesus. 
the focus of our teaching as believers is Jesus. It's admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So God wants everyone to mature. It is not enough. They are just there, born again, but not growing. They are just there. The same thing, the same you last year. The same you years ago. The same you years ago. No, God wants you to grow in maturity. You need to grow. You know, you know, but of Christ, we are we are God's soldiers. His arm on the earth. So he needs us to be matured enough to get the job done. You need to mature so you can well represent Christ. Imagine we had, you know, much more believers mature like Paul. We will see much more people saved, you know, and healed. You know, God wants us to mature, to mature, to fully mature in Christ. So you have to grow. Don't be okay with where you are now. Don't be okay where you are. Desire much more. Pursue much more. How do you pursue? Spend time in prayer. Spend time in the Word. Listen to the sermons. Attend service. Attend prayer time. Serve with the body. Fellowship together with the body. Okay, be available. Be reachable. And much more. Practice what you are taught. Okay? But you must have a heart that desires maturity. Don't let things of the world distract you so much that you begin to want for things more than you want to mature in Christ. It is a major trap. Okay? Let Christ be the focus of your existence. Let your everyday life, everything you do, be Christ-centered. Let Christ take center place in your heart. 29. Paul says to mature everyone, right? says, to this end, I strenuously contained with the end with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Look at this. He's saying this kingdom works to mature people in Christ. He says, I contend I, I, I contend for it strenuously. Again, this thing about work the work ethic that Paul had for the kingdom. says he contends strenuously. So he said for him, it is not a matter of comfort or of, of just, you know, it's easy. He's saying that even when, even when it requires contention with stress, see, not only contention, though, stressful, strenuous contention with pain, with passion, with, with everything it takes, with yes, with everything. He is strenuously content. Okay? Strenuously content. So we are to you know, when it comes to this kingdom thing, it is not about convenience. It is not about convenience. You have got to be ready to contend strenuously. It might mean, you know, doing and doing overnight to study God's word, to pray. It might mean telling your friends, guys, I beg now, tonight, tonight, more pray for an hour. You know, get together with friends, let's pray together for one hour, for two hours. Let's no contend strenuously. To tell your friend, okay, guys, let's sit down and have a salmon listening party. Let's hear four salmons together. Do you understand? To contend strenuously, not just when convenient, but to give spiritual growth your best to contend for kingdom, to contend strenuously. Whatever it takes, 
whatever it takes to contend for the cases with all the energy. Christ so powerfully worked in me. So this is what happens. God provides grace, right? But we must yield to the grace. There is grace for you to pursue and get better, to mature in Christ. But you must yield to that grace. Paul said, I am what I am. By the grace of God. But he says the grace was not without effect. That's why he says, I labored more than everyone else. So he says, God provides grace. People provide labor. So the measure of your labor will determine the measure of which the grace works in your life. Again, God provides grace. Man provides his labor. So the measure of which the grace will work in your life is a measure of the labor you put in. One more time. God provides grace. You provide labor. The, the measure to which the grace will work in your life is dependent on the labor you are willing to put in. So you must match God's grace with a reasonable work ethic so you can get the result that God has determined for your life. It depends on you. Why? God is faithful. His path will not fail. If you will achieve destiny or not, it's not, it's not about God, though. It's about you. God's path is sure forever and ever. God will never fail. It is now dependent on you. It's not will God in. It is will God heal through you. It's not, it's not will God raise the dead. It is will God raise the dead through you. God's path is sure. It's your path that is wanting. And you have got to fix up. Stop making excuses, okay? Stop, stop the excuses. I'm busy. I've tried. I failed. It no work. Shut up. Get in the game again. Get back in the game. Get back in the game and begin to contend strenuously. God is faithful. He will not deny himself. Will you be faithful? Will you pay the price? Will you put in the required work ethic to see God's kingdom further established through you? I urge tonight to put your game in, okay? Go two foot in. Contend for what God has prepared for you. Hallelujah. Hey, hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website www.thisgreenchurch.org for more info. God bless you.